I hope that you're benefiting from our series um, on the attributes of God. This is something that uh, is a help to all of us, I, I believe. And the more we can uh, be focused in our sights on who God is, the better. And it will help all of us as we live. It's not just intended to be um, a theology of your mind. It's supposed to be theology for your behavior, that it changes your life, and it changes your walk, your conduct, your conversation, all of that. Um, the design of this has been to build up to Christmas. It's not that we're just having a um, attributes of God and we're talking about this because, you know, what, it's designed to build right up into our Christmas theme as we go. So uh, next week... Pastor Brennan will be preaching on uh, that God is here. Uh, What we just saying, Emmanuel, God with us. And then uh, we'll be looking at another one and finishing up at the end of the month with the glory of God. That uh, forever and ever and ever, God will be glorified. And that's something that will, again, change your life if you and I let it sink in. It'll change your life, your outlook. Because it's not just merely about the difficulties and trials that we face here. It's for God's glory here and for God's glory on into eternity. He's, a, he's a, the totally, perfectly worthy God. Amen? So, um, as we get started here today, it's about uh, that God is uh, a faithful God. And... Um, Let's, let's pray and then we'll proceed. Heavenly Father, again, it's just a, a real privilege to be able to, um, to come in prayer. Uh, Lord, please help us to grow to be people of prayer so that in all circumstances of life, we're uh, looking to you, we're praying without ceasing, we're uh, communing with you, conversing with you and, and talking and asking and pleading and praising and trusting you. Please do your good work here. And uh, help us as we look at this topic and in your uh, in these verses, in your word. Guide us, we pray, for your sake, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get started here, I want to... Um, be an encouragement to you about uh, ministering to those and not just uh, welcoming, but meeting and welcoming those around you. A lot of times um, we can overlook other people and their uh, folks that are maybe here for second or third, maybe first time, maybe you know they've been here before, whatever. Um, your encouragement is is a blessing. And don't belittle that and and encourage one another. Um, Each one of us could probably walk up here and share a little bit about the struggles and difficulties of life. And so the more we are encouraging one another as brothers and sisters in the family of God and encouraging to pray uh, to God for his strength and his help, the better. Okay. All right. Is there anything uh, more strong or more 
firm than the promises and the purposes of God. You might be able to say, well, it's uh, certainly not my bank account. It's uh, not my job security. It's not this or that. You know, I want to have you be thinking about, you know, what we tend to think are pillars of our lives. You know? And compare it to the fact that God is the God in his um, in his purposes, God in his promises to you and I. It's the firmest thing in the universe. That's what Charles Spurgeon wrote about. Charles Spurgeon said the firmest things in the universe are the promises and purposes of the unchanging God. And these are the safeguard of the believer. Okay. And so we, we uh, pursue this study today in, a, again, a humble way, asking God to do his good work. Uh, rock solid. That's the name of the message this morning. Rock solid. Yesterday, today, and forever. Um, we start with, it, it's going to be like a, a bit of a building block uh, type of thing. It's going to lead us to... Are the very foundation of this one particular attribute. And we start with number one in your outline. If you want to follow there, God will provide a way. God is our provider. And um, God will make a way. He will provide for his children. He will provide for his people. And it's in, letter A, in his very design in creation. It's in his very design that he's provided for his children, for his creation and his children, okay? And as, as created beings, and we've said this before, you're familiar with it, I, I believe, and that is we're created to be dependent beings. We're not independent. We are created to be dependent. And so it starts in a big general way by God providing um, for his creation, God providing food. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter uh, chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses here in Genesis in this business of that uh, it's by his design. Genesis 1, 29 says that God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of the earth and every tree which has fruit yielding seed. It shall be food for you. Turn over to chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, where he says, The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he formed out of the ground. The Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. Very basic things. Um, chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verse 15 in chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and keep it. God has provided for man, okay? Not just the the provision of food, but also accountability. Because he said, right? You shall not eat of that tree. And in the day you do, you'll you'll die. And so uh, accountability. So certain things were off limits. Um, He also provided for companionship, relationship. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 18 a helper suitable for the man, Eve, right? But what gets overlooked here is what 
man's been given in relation to, listen, in relation to God. We, we look at these things and we read about this and we say, oh, well, yeah, he's provided food and, and the garden and, and work and accountability and all that. But in the result of the fall, we see that God, you know, and man are designed for what? Fellowship. God and man designed for fellowship. There's a greater provision right there. God providing himself. Okay? Some of you might have heard a, a message this week on KNIS, KNIS radio if you're listening. God didn't provide religion. God didn't provide religion for man. That's man's dream. That's man's concoction. God provided a rescue. Okay? And so if you are in a way of thinking now that it's about religion, you're wrong. It's about a rescue that he's provided through the Messiah. He's provided. So not just fellowship and communion, but fulfillment. God's provided fulfillment for us in work. That's what we see there in Genesis also. Work. He put the man, Adam, go work, cultivate the garden, do it, work, stay busy. Okay. So God will provide a way. He's done that through creation. It's in his design. Letter B, it's displayed in the remedy itself. The very remedy to man's problem is the big way of God providing, the, the amazing way of God providing. It's in what he promised. Right under letter B, it's what he promised. Look at Genesis 3.15. It's there. There's the help. Genesis 3.15. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on the head. Who's he talking to? God's talking to the serpent, Satan, the enemy of God. He the promised seed, the righteous seed, the Messiah will crush you on your head. That's to Satan. And then what, is, what does he say? And you shall bruise him on the heel. You're going to get to the Messiah. You'll bruise him on the heel, but it's not fatal. Like your punishment will be fatal. Okay? So God's provided in what he's promised. And in what he's pictured. See, when we talk about the provision of God, we typically run to Genesis 22, where Abraham is told to go and take his son and go sacrifice him. And that's where the kind of the big spotlight is put when we talk about God being the provider. Let's look there. Genesis 22. Please turn there in your Bible. Genesis 22. Uh, they've prepared things. They're going. And verse 7, look at it. It says, Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. 
So the two of them walked on together, right? Then Abraham, when he had his son tied down, raised up his hand with the knife. And verse 13, Abraham raised his eyes and looked and behold behind him. Uh, I jumped there. I want to back up to verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, I am here. I am. Do not stretch out your hand against the lad. Do nothing to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abraham raised his eyes and looked. Behold, behind him, a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord. It will be provided. That is full of meaning and blessing. The mount where it will be provided is the same mount where Jesus was crucified. Let that sink in. Thousands of years before, here's the same mount. Same Here's the, the idea of sacrifice. So, and so my point is that throughout the Old Testament, there are these pictures that are showing that God's going to provide. It actually happened back in the Garden of Eden. What happened when Adam and Eve sinned? They did their job, uh, the first religion, if you will. They sewed up fig leaves together. We're going to make ourselves pleasing to God. Right? We'll, we'll fix ourselves. That's the idea behind religion. God said, nope, those fig leaves aren't going to do. Here, here's what? Animal skins. What's implied? Animal was sacrificed. So sacrifice runs all the way through to, here's now John the Baptist, New Testament, seeing Jesus. What did he say? Behold the Lamb of God. It's almost like as if he's echoing Abraham's words or concept there. There, look. There's, there's the provision. And Jesus is the Lamb of God. Takes away sins of the world. So, and, and some of you are familiar with the, the, the name of God. Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And God is providing for his... He's already provided for you, my friend, in the, in the greatest way possible. Through Jesus. Okay? So, that's what's promised and what's pictured. And then, letter C on your outline, it's for your assurance. And uh, unlike the Old Testament... The New Testament, the New Covenant, is one where there's assurance. Upon coming to faith in Christ, who is the Lamb, you have assurance. There's, there's now um, not a if, not a maybe, but a definite yes. And you're sealed by the promise of the Holy Spirit, being that you are His child. So it's truly fulfilled as... The Messiah came. Finally, here's, here's the, the display of Jesus coming, right? Galatians 
chapter 4, verse 4. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might, what? Redeem those who are under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. See, that's not a, a, a possibility. That's, if you've come to faith in Christ, that's a definite. There it is. You're adopted into his family. You're a part of his family. So, all right. So God will provide a way. Now, does that also apply to um, what you're facing right now? Yes, it certainly does. Whatever you're facing right now, that's the amazing thing about God. You know, someone over on this side of the room can be facing something and someone over on this side of the room, something different. But God, you know, God provides, not in the way you and I want him to, but in a way that will cause you to trust him. That you'll learn to trust him more. Because he's the God who, what? Provides. He will provide a way. God, you know, and people have written songs about it. God will make a way when there seems to be no other way. He works in ways we cannot know. God does his work in providing for his children. Now, number two, because of that, we move on into something a bit deeper. And number two is God will keep his word. God will keep his word. So we could say it this way. God will provide because God keeps his word. God keeps his word. He's faithful. He's uh, letter A. Well, let I tell you what, before we give that, turn to Psalm 89. Psalm 89. And in Psalm 89... Starting at verse 7, it's talking about the incomparable God, a God greatly feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all those who are around him. O Lord, God of hosts, who is like you, O mighty Lord, your faithfulness also surrounds you. God is faithful. It's who he is. We've said that before with different attributes. It's who God is. He is faithful. He has kept his word. He promised that the Messiah would come and Jesus came. And thus hundreds of prophecies fulfilled in one person, in Jesus. God is absolutely, letter A, absolutely trustworthy. Absolutely trustworthy. And we've just taken one psalm, one little section of one psalm, and said, look at that verse. God's faithfulness surrounds him. It's a way to just say, hey, it's all over the place. Right? But not just that it's abs- he keeps his word and he's absolutely trustworthy, but let her be totally fail-safe. Totally fail-safe. Same psalm, Psalm 89. Look at verse 33. But I will, this is God speaking, I will not break off my loving kindness from him, nor deal falsely 
in my faithfulness. He will never, another version says, I will, nor will I ever betray my faithfulness. God keeps his word and it's done so without fail. God will forever remain true to who he is. Forever remain true to who he is. Jot these verses down. We, we don't need to turn there each, each verse, but um, obviously Numbers 23.19 says that God is not man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie, right? <laughs> Romans chapter 3, verse 3 says this. What if some did not have faith? Because there's plenty of people around that do not have faith. Will their lack of faith nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. No way. Let God be true and every man a liar. There's the comparison laid before us to help us to understand every man is a liar. <laughs> say, no, 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 no. I, I, don't, I don't go with that. No, every man and woman and child is a liar. God is true. Just like we could say every man, woman, child is um, evil. And you say, wait a minute. Evil? Everyone? Yeah. It's a condition called natural sin. Here, here, there it is. It's, it's our sin nature. And God is good. God's the only one who is good. That was last week. And so thus, yes, our again, I... I've said this before, kind of to ease the the pressure. You know, we we look at each other and we say, "Well, you're good and, and you're nice, and and uh, you don't you don't typically tell a lie." <laughs> you know, we're, you're trustworthy. We we know that. But in this case, we've got to say, "Let's bring the gold standard in. Let's bring the the one that we measure all things with, and that's God." And we find the description of him right here in the word of God. Really nowhere else, right? So God will keep his word. He has kept his word. He's absolutely trustworthy. He's totally fail safe. We mentioned Numbers 23, 19, Romans 3, 3. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 speaks to you. If you're a believer... 1 Corinthians 1.9 speaks to you where it says God who has called you into fellowship with his son. There's our provision. He's called you into fellowship with his son. That's providing for you in the way he designed it to be in fellowship with God. Well, God who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. And then 2 Timothy 2, verse 13, jot that down. 2 Timothy 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, what? He will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So, when we look at point number two here, about God being faithful, what kind of a world do we live in? The kind of world that we live in is totally unreliable, really. I mean, yes, there are people that we can trust and et cetera, et cetera. But 
one of the most common, uh, if I could say it this way, one of the most common sins, not being faithful. Not, not saying things truthfully. You know, the, you remember the first time someone just bold-faced lied to you and your, right, right to your face? You know, those, those kinds of things. And, and think of this. In, in the work world, businesses, companies, corporations, line going on, government jobs, line going on. Um, what about from there to um, at home? What, parents, one of the most important things you can do is, is bring attention to the, um, the consequences of lying for your children. You know, there are children growing up who know nothing of telling the truth. They are learning to be habitual liars because they have no, no boundaries. Mom and dad aren't providing, you know, precepts for them. We're not even talking about the Bible here. We're just saying they're not providing anything. Hey, it doesn't matter. And they see it in mom and dad too, lying. And from there, it just, it spreads, you know, quicker than we can blink just about. It's a very damaging thing. But that, see, that's the kind of world we live in, and we're, we're kind of used to it. We, we toughen up about it. And then when it comes to things of, of understanding the character and attributes of God, we need to realize, you know what? He doesn't do that. He does not do it. God is not a man that he should lie. Right? So, that's point number two. The idea that God will keep his word. And then because he provides and because he keeps his word, number three, God will never change. That's the foundation of it all. And the attribute is, uh, many of you know, it's, it's called immutability. The immutable God. He does not change. He never changes. And that's what we're building on when we say, well, God provides and God is faithful. You know, we, we talk about those more. But when it comes to saying, well, God never changes. He never changes. And under letter A, the definition is that he neither increases nor decreases. He neither is capable of or susceptible to change. Right? What kind of world you and I live in again? <laughs> we, the, you know, I, you think, you know, you, you folks that are like 50 years and older, you realize, man, I, I don't get this smartphone stuff or this technology stuff that's going on. And if you have, you've, it's like you've graduated quicker than the rest of us. <laughs> this. All this technology, it's because the world is changing so, so quickly. And it's like, you know, we're not going to slow that down. It's just, you know, we're going to continue seeing such change. This is a quote. Do you see um, under letter A, we've said he neither increases or decreases. Then he is, God is, get this. This is a quote from Dan DeHaan in his book, The God You Can Know. 
He says this. He is subject to no process of development or of self-evolution. God doesn't have to make improvements. And God does not decrease at all in any of his characteristics. And again, this is so uh, beyond us. I, you know, I mentioned in the past that there are communicable attributes of God and then incommunicable attributes of God. And this is one of those incommunicable. This does not apply to you and me because we are always going about changing. That's what a creature does. Creature, you know, grows and strong. And then, you know, after a time starts weakening and getting old and falling apart and dying. That's what the creation does because of the fall. You know, some of these um, phone calls of, you know, hearing about Lonnie Moore, others that come in, it just, it, if you're not thinking in terms of what the Bible is teaching us, it's like, how can, I don't know how someone can go along, keep going along with all that we see happening, people dying. Um, some random person walking up behind Hector and smashing him right in the nose. Those kinds of things. It's like, what in the world? How come? Christian, it's because of sin and the ramifications of sin as it, as it strings on out. It's because of sin. And you have a part in it. And thus, we need a redeemer. We need a rescue. We need a, a savior, a deliverer. And it's Jesus. If you're here this morning and you've not put your faith in Christ, you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. You're here in this life, in this world. And the reason isn't just to determine, hey, I got all these choices. No, it's to come to know God. It's to come to faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible teaches us. A man or a woman must be born again. And it's through faith in Christ. So, you know, this concept of change, we're very all too familiar with it, really. Change is all about either becoming better or worse. And there's a lot of people around us that think we're getting all, we're, we're just all, what? Improving. We're getting better. No, it's not the case. And to make that uh, assumption on God then suggests that what? He's imperfect. To say God has to get better or God's getting worse because he's not paying attention to what's going on here in this place or that place. So, the distinctions. We talk about the definition under letter, uh, uh, yeah, under letter A. Then the distinction is that he is immutable in his perfections, in his perfections. Or we could say his person, Psalm 102. Let's turn there. Psalm 102. Verse 25 says, 
of old, you founded the earth, referring to his creation. And the heavens are the work of your hands. Even they will perish, but you endure. And all of them will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be changed. But you are the same and your years will not come to an end. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. It's all that he is again. And also Malachi chapter three, verse six. I, the Lord, do not change. Along with his perfections, it's in his purposes. You turn back to Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. And I mentioned the the reference in Hebrews because in Hebrews, it's talking about the fact that here's uh, Christ who is greater than the priests and greater than Moses. And it's done in Christ. The work and the counsel, the purposes of God, it's all carried out in Christ. His plans, his purposes are perfect. They're right on schedule according to his schedule his own good pleasure then in his promises the distinction of his perfections his purpose and his promises these are phrases or terms that you can see in many books when you start looking at the immutability of god i want you to um look at first kings chapter eight please turn there this is a a very well i just thought this stood out in all these different verses that are available for our referencing here. First Kings chapter 8. And you can see if, you, if your Bible has little subheadings and paragraphs and such, it says it talks about Solomon giving his benediction. And, and um, so in verse 54, it says, When Solomon had finished praying this entire prayer, In supplication to the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread toward heaven. And he stood and blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel. According to all that he promised, not one word has failed of all his good promise, which he promised through Moses, his servant. Going back quite a ways back to Moses. But this is the ongoing issue with with God. He's going to keep his word and not one word will fail. Okay. So in his promises. Then we come to now what is more practical that as we close up this message. Let us see the dividends. The dividends for God's children are if this is true or let's say since. Since it is true, there will be, notice not maybe, there will be a decrease in your complaints. Now, it's because of who God is. If you are reading, praying, wanting to walk with God, fellowship with God, you will get to know him. And as you get to know him, you'll understand more that, yes, he is who he says he is. He's going to provide a way. 
He is faithful. He is unchangeable, never changing. Now, that's going to have a decrease in your complaints in life. Why? God provides. Why? God's faithful. You look at Luke chapter 10. Let's turn there, please. Luke chapter 10. Mary and Martha's story. Many are familiar with it, but let's look at it again. Let the word of God sink into our minds and hearts. Chapter 10 in Luke, verse 38. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But one thing is necessary for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. About the serving and notice it was you are worried and bothered. And when does a complaint become a complaint? When it, you know, it aggravates you enough to have you bothered to say something. Hey, what's the deal here? Now, she didn't maybe use all the hand gestures or what, but the point is she's bothered. She complains to the Lord. And the, the visual that we get there obviously is here's, here's Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. Did Mary have everything perfect? No, no, she didn't have everything perfect, but she was where we ought to be listening to Jesus and, and taking that in more and more than the things of the world. So it's going to, the dividends of understanding this attribute of God will also, second one, decrease in your worrying. Turn over to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8. Verse 23. Got into the boat. His disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with the waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. And they came to him and woke him saying, Save us, Lord. We're perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? You men of little faith. You know, there's something significant here, folks. Do you, we need to have a heart and an ear to hear this significance. And all too often, we're carried off with the worry, with the complaining. Do you know your God? Do you know your God? And so the idea is then, that we would, again, it hits me that, do I always respond that way? The way that I'm implying. No, I don't always respond the way I'm trying to suggest that we respond. But what kind of a God do I believe in? And how big is my God? If, if God truly is going to provide, if God is faithful, if God will never change then I don't have really um, 
a reason why to complain about stuff. I don't have a reason to really worry. And the Bible is full of examples and references about don't complain and don't worry. Sure easy for me to stand up here and, you know, crack the whip on it, right? You have worries and you have complaints. Let's bring them to God and ask him to make a change in my heart. Not a change. It's not necessarily getting a change in the situations, but change me, Lord, change me. Because as we do that, guess what? Then the increase comes. Where's the increase? In your confidence and in your hope. And if, if you know in your heart that you have a, a, a real strong tendency to complain, you know, it's like there's a, a perspective and a focus that is in the wrong place. So just ask the Lord. I, I know I'm your child, dear Lord. I've come to faith in Christ. So help me to learn how to trust you through all these life scenes that I'm coming upon, all these life issues that I'm dealing with and wrestling with. Turn to Psalm 33 and look at this verse. Psalm 33. Do we have confidence in him? Psalm 33, verse 13. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all. He who understands all their works. Notice verse 16. The king is not saved by a mighty army. A warrior is not delivered. By great strength. A horse is a false hope for victory. Nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. On those who hope for his loving kindness. To deliver their soul from death. To keep them alive in the famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our heart rejoices in him. Because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us according as we have hoped in you. Right? According to how much do you hope in him? According to your hope. Like what we see in the New Testament. It's according to your faith. What kind of faith do you have? How deep is your faith? So, the dividends for God's children on this attribute, a decrease in complaints, a decrease in worrying, an increase in confidence. But the big question is, is it true? Is it actual in your behavior? Is it going to happen today? That you'll turn and say, you know what? My God will provide. And I know that it's because my God is faithful. And he's bigger than me and bigger than my problems. I will trust him. See, in America, because of like technology and our smartphones, we got... We got all the info right now. There it is. Except for Monty when he touched the wrong button. And why? There's no, there's no correlation there with God on that. Learn to trust God for who he is. And chase out the, chase out the, the false notions of a Santa Claus God. 
or a grandfather God. Chase those away. Get rid of them. Delete. And keep coming back to God's word where you know he's faithful. Why? He, he's come through with his word time and time again. And as you draw near to Christmas time, our Christmas celebration, continue to focus on who he is and lift up the truths of who he is. Okay. William Cooper, an old uh, Puritan, wrote this old hymn, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The saints should never be dismayed nor sink in hopeless fear. For when they least expect his aid, the Savior will appear. This Abraham found, he raised the knife, God saw and said, forbear. That ram shall yield his meaner life. Behold the victim there. Blessed proves of power and grace divine that meet us in his word. May every deep felt care of mine be trusted with the Lord. Wait for his seasonable aid. And though it tarry, wait. The promise may be long delayed, but cannot come too late. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this time in your word. I pray, dear Lord, that there are not just one, but many verses that we've looked at that will uh, dwell in our hearts and our minds as we go through this day to remember that you are a God who provides and you have provided in the best way so that we, your, your people, would be totally satisfied in Jesus. That we would rejoice in the God who has given us our Savior, Jesus. That we would treasure Jesus. Lord, help us to see through all the the, uh, vanity of this world. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Please have your good will accomplished in our lives. Continue that good work of conforming us to the image of Jesus. We thank you. Love you, Lord. Help us to grow in this love that we might shine for Christ here in Fallon. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.